0: Dent, it did a it did
1: a
2: Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor True for the very first time. My name is Jake, with me are Cody, Sam, Jill, Alex, and Producer Terry. This week we're here to talk about Under the Lake and Before the Flood, written by Toby Withouse, directed by Daniel O'Hara, aired October 3rd and 10th, 2015. Sam.
3: Jake.
2: Uh, what'd you think of this one?
3: I really enjoyed it. I understand why we had to watch both parts cuz the first part wasn't a whole lot, but it was a really fun story and interesting and also I hate when they do things that you're like, how are they going to get out of this one? Oh, a hologram. Okay.
0: Okay, shift on. Alex what do you think? think? I enjoyed it. The, it was it was spooky. There were there were some spooks um and then some weird, timey-wimey stuff that
1: hurts my brain.
2: <laughs> Cody. Jake. Uh, Yeah, that's me.
1: Find the closest mirror where you're sitting. Don't don't get up. Just find something reflective. Maybe I, the monitor. Shut it up. I, I, I don't have
2: mirrors. I have body image issues.
1: Oh, OK. Pretend <laughs> there's a mirror. Look at it. Meet your gaze. Pretend it's my gaze. Look at me, Jake. Two parters are just better.
2: <laughs> i i know where you're going and i knew you were going to go this way
1: we got there eventually this set these episodes were friggin' great jill i'm
4: going opposite of cody one parters are definitely better there was <laughs> there was a lot of stuff i really liked about this episode but i felt like there was a lot that was really drug out that didn't feel necessary too so there's a lot of good stuff i had a lot of notes that eventually circled back to so that was kind of fun and the fact that it circled back in the second episode to the first episode is always nice but again i just felt like it was dragged on a little bit too much for a lot of it can you
3: go back and clip all of the times jill says she doesn't like two-parters but loves the two-parter because this is like (laughs) there's some two-parters a rare occasion i feel (laughs)
4: like i did like the story i I think it was more than a one episode but there was still so much that was way too long.
2: One one, a one
4: point two five. One exactly. Yes, one point two five. That'd be perfect.
2: Uncle Terry? I am gonna
5: say it was okay. I honest like I watched it and I was enjoying it. I loved the bootstrap paradox idea, but Like halfway through the second episode, I felt like it was just a remake of Waters of Mars. It was a lot of running through tunnels and you're underwater and dealing with like zombie like creatures or ghosts that are coming after you. And it was like the same story.
2: Oh, you just described the entire second Doctor's era (laughs) (laughs) running through tunnels and also water. Yeah, Yeah, being chased by. Very minimal. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, Base Under Siege. Doctor Who fans love Base Under Siege stories, and you gotta throw them in once in a while. This was this year's effort, and it was pretty well done. Jake, what'd you think? Uh, I actually really enjoyed it today, watching it. um, I don't think the first time I watched it, I really liked it. And Jill made me kind of think that I think it's better when you watch them both together, when you have a week in between. There are a lot of like, oh, I really want this and this and this to be answered. But then my, my timer just went off on my oven. But <laughs> then it. it
3: has been five minutes.
2: <laughs> but then you you have a week to kind of forget about some of the more pressing questions you have. And so when, of, when you watch it all together, it uh, it kind of just flows better.
4: Some of the things I noted were I'll talk about them in more detail later, but just simple little one liners that came back, which was so fun and so creative and that sort of kept my attention through two episodes
2: yeah.
1: the bad guy was super cool until you saw him
4: that's true yeah he was a lot cooler when you, he didn't have yeah. a face
1: you guys didn't like he, the the no big bad.
4: can we just talk he about has his mouth to be like... did he have to have a vagina mouth yes
2: <laughs> <laughs> do people cosplay
0: as
3: Tim, because I could totally see that as like something people would go to often at to a Comic-Con as.
4: Oh, it's so gross.
5: I you could but that. the mobility of them was just terrible. It was true. Bad.
1: You could see if the person's you- face and the neck chiffon or whatever material it was that I could clearly see the person's face through.
0: Oh, I, I, I guess I didn't notice that. I was too busy looking at the vagina.
1: Right? is uh, not it? That's how they got you. They're like, make them both really crazy. That way they don't see how bad the rest of the costume is.
0: I thought it was great. But Man, how
4: does he breathe, suck, though?
1: Don't you suck. That's right. <laughs> well, they breathe through the chiffon. It's like, Can I mean, I breathe? guess the folks that won't wear masks because they can't breathe get it.
4: Can you breathe through a vagina? I don't know also he was giant
1: he was really big
4: like towering thing i thought it was you know cool for half a second but they played that up way too much that towering over the doctor didn't like that
5: they did that a lot with the camera angles it was a lot of shooting with the doctor looking down at you or like from above or like super close like they played a lot with angles
1: yeah they had like a weird little Fish eye lens thing of his face too when he was staring into the phone and it was uncomfortable.
4: That's true. I thought the phone scenes were pretty well done, actually.
0: Was that when did FaceTime come out?
1: Was I that don't know, was that a but, commercial for FaceTime? But I
4: absolutely <laughs> love the Google it. That might be my favorite line that I didn't write down. Hmm. How fun.
1: did that escape us as a point in time that we're easily able to recognize? That seems like it was a big deal. But it just kind of came. The whole face-calling thing just happened and then became normal. It wasn't like, oh my god, we're face-calling people all the time now.
4: I still think it's weird.
2: FaceTime was Not released June 7th, 2010. Oh, oh my ten god. years ago. Cool. So when was
4: this episode? 2015?
2: 2015, October the 3rd.
1: Oh, so it's oh, old technology. Geez. Boo, Doctor! Come on, get with the time.
2: But Clara definitely has an iPhone, for yeah, sure. For sure, yeah, because she's basic.
4: Didn't we see iPods like a whole bunch of episodes ago?
0: <laughs> Those were Daleks. Those were Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> no, that
3: was.
1: <laughs> Can that be my favorite quote?
2: <laughs> they, they had iPads in uh, the Nether Sphere. Oh, that's right. Uh...
4: So the cold open uh my note says young dude grabs torch sees creepy reflection totally thought that was him seeing himself so that messed with me for a while um but obviously you know it's not so that's nice but that whole scene where what's his name barrett bennett 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 someone help
1: nobody knows uh, the who, guy's who, name who do like you mean? The
4: commander officer whatever
1: moran? moran oh the one who died right away yeah Moran, Moran, right?
4: Is it?
2: Yeah, it's Moran. So, Cody ben remembers ben. that name, but not the name of any actor who's played the Doctor other than Peter Capaldi.
4: So, who was Bennett or Barrett or whatever?
2: I don't, I know, don't know who you're talking. I'm about Bennett. Names. Bennett
0: was the guy that
2: lost his girlfriend. Yeah, Bennett, okay. Bennett was the scientist guy. Yeah.
4: yeah. Okay, got it. Anyway, so Moran, the whole scene where he dies in the fire is absolutely terrifying. Super creepy.
2: So I was going to say, this is my first note. Also, the pre-title sequence. I was going to say that him, like that whole him dying in the fire and then them like screaming and running away kind of ruined that whole scene for me. Like there's a there's like an atmosphere of spookiness where like the crew's all checking out this thing. And like you're saying, the kid with the flashlight sees a reflection. It's getting all spooky. And it's like, okay, this this quick run around and screamy thing. And then it's back to okay. now we're all hiding and it's spooky. And then a ghost walks through a door or a wall or whatever it was. I think it's just like 10 seconds in the middle of this pre-title scene that doesn't match the rest of it, um, like tone wise or pacing wise.
4: It's very true. I
2: can see
4: that. I agree that it's it's out of sequence, but it made it real creepy.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of creepy Scenes in the story, and I think if they chose to kind of double down on that bit of it, this could have been a really creepy one. But instead, they decided just to have a couple of creepy scenes here and there, which is fine.
1: They were like pretty creepy, though. I thought uh with the faces that they had in reflections and stuff, and when that guy Pritchard was floating outside, and he slowly turned around, and they did like that. Uh, violin bow scrape on a saw, (laughs) or whatever that noise comes from
2: yeah that's that's that's, that's in my notes is the reveal of the Pritchard ghost is like proper horror movie trope of like him staring at the wall and then just thinking it's the normal guy and then before him turning around and showing that he's the ghost the reveal of his body banging against the window it's great that was phenomenal (laughs)
1: That
3: was nuts. I
5: Those thought the were pretty creepy. Yeah, the the design with the eyes of make making it look like the head is hollow, so you can see the yeah. inside of the skull. And this is
2: just what you're saying, Terry. This is the first time I noticed, and it's in the Pritchard um, reveal when he's turning. You kind of get a full 180 degree view of like the front of his head, and yeah, when he's turning, you can see like the back like the inside of the back of his head through his eyes and it's crazy.
0: Yeah, that is nuts. Did and then show. also the 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 effect they had on the body to make him wispy that must have taken a lot of money.
4: <laughs> Especially when it's just the front. Yeah. Like it, uh I don't remember who it was, but you see the back for a long time and then you see him somewhere else and it's like the wispy front.
2: Yeah, Those there was, back is so solid. there was twice when the doctor and Clara first show up and they see Moran and Prentice. Dude. Yeah. Prentice. When they yeah. see, when they see them like looking the other way and they're like, oh, there's some people, let's go talk to them. And then with the Pritchard reveal, both times when you're seeing them from the back, they're like completely solid and look like normal people. But then they turn around and it's like, oh, you can barely see them at all. It's like just to fuck with the audience.
0: Well, I wonder if that's them phasing in and out of corporealness because, like, they can, um, like, they can pick up things, but then also go through walls. So I- I'm wondering if they can, like, phase in and out from solid to gas or
5: whatever it is. Or is it maybe like, a, when they move, they form the vapors, and when they stand still, they don't? Oh my! because no, oh, he
3: was dragging the, the ax down the hallway while he was moving.
2: Why are they so scared of these guys? The guy can barely drag an axe across the ground, right?
4: And but then when the he whole... went
3: through the wall, he couldn't bring the axe through the wall. So it is weird that they can hold things but still go through walls. But yeah, that's weird.
4: And why do they only have one strike? Like, if they miss on the one strike, then they're just done. Do they need a recharge? Like
2: <laughs> they just give up? <laughs> unexplained. <laughs> well, it's. Exhausting. Exhausting. You saw him pick up the axe off the wall and it just drops to the ground like Alex trying to pick up an axe off a wall.
4: <laughs> and
2: it, sorry, Alex. Classic. And, uh, and yeah, I, if he muster enough strength for a swing, like he's got to go have a nap. <laughs> yeah, because they're still <laughs> learning.
0: Yeah, and I was wondering why they didn't do more of the uh, like ghost hand in into the chest bit. Like they did it once with the doctor. And I thought for sure, like, one of the doctor's hearts was going to stop. I thought that would have been really cool writing. Wait. That wasn't how
4: they killed, though.
0: Yeah, I know, but it could have been. Like, if they can pick up physical things, what's stopping them from phasing into someone's chest and
2: grabbing their heart? Ugh. They do it to the doctor. It didn't do anything.
4: Why did it have to be a physical object? That's weird.
2: Well, it specifically had to be metal. Oh. Maybe it has because, to be non-living uh, material. No, it's because their, their projection waves. is created by electromagnetism. And so, you know, magnetism, metal.
1: So they only can pick up things they can magnetize to. Got it.
4: Hmm.
1: How come the ghost never killed the one guy?
4: Because he never is saw the code metal? or whatever, the coordinates.
1: Oh, he never saw the the...
4: But oh, what uh, yeah. what was the message? Why don't it, I? It remember? was those
1: four words. Oh, something
4: like, church
1: like something dark. something. So it was
5: dark, darkness sword forsaken temple. There it is.
4: Temple
5: not church. Yet. So
4: that's the Fisher King. How does that relate?
5: Those were the
1: coordinates to Earth.
5: Oh.
0: Um, okay.
1: They killed O'Donnell, Jake. Everybody who's a fan <laughs> of the Doctor and knows about UNIT dies. Oh, yeah. Except Clara. She's coming. She'll have a day.
3: <laughs> She's died many a times.
1: True.
4: What is the cloister bell?
2: That's the TARDIS beam. Uh, it's mad. the bell inside the TARDIS that goes off when there's danger. Hmm. So we've heard it repeatedly over... We don't really ever talk about it. Maybe once we briefly did. But... uh sometimes it goes off if the doctor's in danger or if the TARDIS itself is in danger or if there's just danger, but, uh, Isn't it's there a,
4: always though. Why else would he be there?
2: It's more like imminent danger or like if it's a way for the TARDIS to be like, Hey guys, fuck this. <laughs> like I don't <laughs> want.
4: <laughs> so is it like supposed to be a return immediately and get out?
2: No, like the TARDIS can be upset And just be like, I just want everyone to know I'm upset. Okay. Like, we can do this, but this is on you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, you have to put the parking brake on.
1: Angsty teen TARDIS.
0: Also, that parking brake on
2: that uh, console was sick. Well, and that's all the console is, is um, cranks. (laughs) And like with uh, Matt Smith's first TARDIS, it was all levers that like went up and down. And it's his favorite fucking thing, just riding around flipping levers. And with Capaldi, he likes to stand in one place, grab a monitor, turn a crank, and be like, we're off. That's how the TARDIS works.
0: (laughs) I I feel like Capaldi's uh, TARDIS console would be the most satisfying console because it has the satisfying um, buttons and uh, cranks. Like you know there's like hepatic feedback on all those and just feels good. I just have to bring up
4: really quick how shitty it is that I in my notes it says Dick Beg mining guy like knows how to get everyone out and won't because he wants the money. It's crap.
1: Yeah, that's kind of how it'd be, isn't it? That's what (laughs)
2: that's the The plot plot of all the alien movies. And that's the sure. plot of the
1: United States opening. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Give her the money.
2: Spread
4: the COVID. Get the monies.
2: Get the monies. Yeah, I really like when they're, they go back to the ship to study the words that are on the wall. And that dude keeps talking. And after, the doctor's just staring at him for a minute and is finally just like, why is this guy still talking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking uh, of the doctor, when him and Clara do finally meet the team. The doctor has a set of cards for dealing with social, social situations.
4: Uh, I wrote that in my notes. I loved that scene.
2: That was pretty glorious. And that
4: Clara probably maybe helped create them.
1: Oh, for and her. Just the
4: little Absolutely. prompt of, like, remember the cards?
1: Yeah.
0: it's
4: the best.
0: She's trying to have him be his own uh, like sympathy compass instead of it's just her all the time. <laughs> but
4: I noticed other times throughout the episode where he was, like, more human than this we've seen this doctor be like one of the examples that I have is when he it's him and Clara and the TARDIS and he's all about like keeping her safe and wanting her to, you know, be happy and whatnot. That whole scene just like felt so out of character for the doctor.
2: Right. And, you know, we discussed it during the premiere that the doctor is different now than he was in the first season You know, we see him give Clara a big hug right away Mm -hmm. when he sees her. And that's because the first season was all about him kind of figuring out if he really is the doctor because he's got this new regeneration cycle. He's really unsure of himself. And so now he's just like, "Okay, I I want to I I acknowledge that I am an idiot in a box, but I need to like kind of gently get into that groove again.
4: I did, like, though, so I, I was writing my notes, like, throughout the whole thing, like, just that it felt uncomfortable and out of character for him. But then he ends it with something like, all right, are we done with this now? Cool. Leaving.
2: Yeah, he knows what but, he's supposed to say. And so he just gets through it and is like, okay, are, are we good?
4: Yeah. I wish we could get a better sense of how long it's been since they've been on adventures. Like, Clara makes it seem like forever. But... You know the doctor's not just oh, doing I, nothing.
2: I thought it seemed like they just came from an adventure. like, And she's like, come on, let's go, let's keep it going. Or let's go back to that place where we just were, because that was super tight.
4: So maybe she's just seeking bigger adventure, because their comment is, come on, you're itching to save a planet. Yeah. So maybe they just haven't been on a big enough adventure to satisfy her. I don't know.
2: Or they just landed in a dank, dark hallway, and she's like, fuck this. <laughs> let's go somewhere else. Yeah, it still
5: seems like she's uh trying to distance herself from the memory of pink because like she doesn't have another hobby and she's just stuck with whatever she's doing so definitely attaching herself to the doctor more than what i believe she was before and that's kind of worrying the doctor i feel
2: it is funny that the doctor at some point says you need to get a hobby because in a previous episode clara said to the doctor you're my hobby (laughs) Like, I have a real life, but now she doesn't have a real life.
4: There's a scene later, I think it's in the second episode, where she's standing with one of the dudes, because I can't keep them separate, and saying, like, you should have a relationship I did. or And, like, it's sort of like a move-on thing.
2: Yeah, he's yeah, like, you humans, you love relationships, and, like, just go... Because, again, he's trying to get her to have a life outside of just what they're doing.
4: But it was Clara and one of the men. And I think it was.
5: Oh, that was the doctor. Oh, no. Are you talking about at the end with uh, Bennett? After yeah, when i looking in at
4: O'Donnell. Or...
5: or O'Donnell. Yeah, sorry. Or O'Connor. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, because he's in love with her. <laughs> and she was like, I know how you feel. You need to move on and do better.
4: So that was the first time we've seen any sign of her like really acknowledging that Danny Pink had died, and that I don't know. I don't know that I don't think this is her moving on by any means, but maybe starting to realize that she needs to.
2: Well, speaking of moving on, before we do, let's spend some time talking about the guest cast cast. We have Dead people. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Almost none of them died. Or I mean, most of them lived. I mean, <laughs> some of them lived. It's like a half. <laughs>
1: I think a half is right.
5: Prentice, the weird mole guy, was a creepy character all around.
1: Oh my god, I have all the tools that you need to oppress me.
2: <laughs> oppress my yeah, daddy.
3: super creepy. We've talked about this race before, or this race has been in Doctor Who before, or yeah. it's been mentioned yeah. at least.
2: They were in the, um, uh, the God praise Complex. Him. Yeah, praise him. Yeah. It's- yeah. God complex 80s or 70s hotel praise and that stuff.
3: Oh, what's the name of this race? I feel like this will be a trivia question someday.
2: Tivolians.
3: Tivolians. I will never remember
2: that. Me either. <laughs> okay. So Moran, we didn't get much of. Um, Cass is the second in command who becomes the leader. And Bennett, or no, Lunn, is her interpreter who is in love with her. Mm. O'Donnell's Those two the are
3: adorable.
2: They are. O'Donnell's the awesome chick who dies. Bennett is the scientist who was in love with her. And, you know, Pritchard's the asshole. <laughs> Agreed. Alright, good chat. Um, so what I think what Cody was getting at at the very, very beginning of this podcast when he was talking about how two partners are just better is this. These guest casts, especially a relatively small one like this, gets, we get to know the characters and they all feel like real people. And we are happy when Cass and Lun make out at the end. And we're bummed out when Bennett lost the love of his life, and he's just fucking broken at the end of this. I don't. When he think like blames have... the
3: doctor on everything, but he was like, maybe you should stay in the TARDIS. And she's like, no. He tried.
2: He he did try. Yeah, that was uh, that was Bennett's first clue that the doctor knew the whole time what the list meant. Yeah, but you <laughs> yeah. really nailed that one
1: on the head with. Uh, getting to know the guest characters because there's been like no, one, very rarely in any episodes of doctor who do I believe that any two characters are like actually in love with each other. And in these two episodes, I completely believed all the relationships between all the guest cast. And it was great.
3: I thought it was a bit much to have all of the crewmates be in love with each other.
1: Like, (laughs) Hey man, you're under the sea forever, man. (laughs) Man, Yeah, You know, get some, get you some.
2: If, if you go work in a restaurant, it takes about eight minutes for everyone to pair off.
3: Yeah, pairing off because you're uh, underwater.
2: I thought they really
5: did a good job writing the bootstrap paradox with the whole,
2: like, where did I yeah, get let Yeah, let's talk about that scene. Thanks, Terry. The second. Jake, what?
3: you've talked about this, this story for so long. You're like. Someday we will learn about the bootstrap paradox.
2: Well, I didn't have to Google it because I knew what it was. So, like, I talk about it in general. But, yeah. So the second episode starts with the doctor just talking to the audience, to the camera, to just explain what a bootstrap bootstrap paradox is. And it's fucking awesome. You say talking, but what I
1: heard was hardcore riffs on the guitar to the audience.
3: Right, like they really do just build that and they're like okay and here's your guitar scene for the story. It's funny. Also, I don't know what I think about him talking directly to the camera.
5: If he wasn't talking into the camera, it'd be really weird if he was just staring at a wall and talking.
1: That's basically every scene with him and Clara. Oh,
5: that's true. Oh.
2: Oh, zing. <laughs> Anyone else want to say anything? We barely talked about anything about this episode other than how the ghosts work and that's about it. The no old flip-a-roo on the big ever band
3: guy answered my question on if they cosplay this evil character person.
2: They don't. He, the, I the Googled it and could not find any. Oh the I least. I feel like memorable that'd be a good cosplay guy. one it would be so I, much work for people to be like who are you
3: i'm with alex i think it's really cool
1: thank you oh it's <laughs> cool like, okay the bad guy is cool you Their guys design in your vagina miss mouth. miss the mark i i needed more i needed what more what is it
3: called again i need to google it
1: the fisher king the fisher king yeah one of the easiest names of all the bad guys if you google and a good king movie.
2: fisher you'll get a lot of birds. Yeah. <laughs> uh I was re- I was really bothered on this viewing of when the fisher king leaves the church to walk out to his spaceship because the doctor said he erased the letters like his top part of his costume or whatever it is it, it's just wobbling the whole time. Every step he takes just wobbles. Yeah. It's It's a cool
1: design in picture, (laughs) like if they draw it, but the way... Looking
3: at his chest, and it looks like he has two scapula bones for a chest. I don't know. It's just really interesting, the whole body mechanics. He just looks all bony. I really like the hooded part. I don't know. I think it looks cool.
0: He seemed like an Undertaker type, like Grim Reaper type, and his thing was pulling the souls out of
1: people's bodies when they die like that's so rad yeah well right we're talking about the concept of him not him (laughs) not the actualization not not the actual thing him is cool too him is super cool him costume much bad yeah
5: like where it is like it's all riding on his shoulders for the actor So, like, structurally wise, it's going to be really hard to solidify all of that bulk on top.
1: Right. Like, tell me you weren't just, like, in the moment when he is shuffling around in the shadows. You could barely catch glimpses of him. And then the second he walks out, you're like, ah. Go back.
3: This picture is so cool. There. He's cool. Tell me that's not creepy. So cool.
1: Yeah, that's a great picture. Oh, that's a phenomenal picture. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's great.
3: So cool.
4: Doctor says, one minute, one minuet. And then he starts the whole thing with Beethoven in the second episode. Oh, I really, yeah, I like that
3: whole description and explanation with Beethoven. I
4: don't don't quite get the tie at the end, like, because he tells Clara... Like you know that he wrote so, Beethoven's Fifth or whatever. That's
0: so. That's the that's the paradox, though. Is the story with Beethoven was what just happened with the doctor? Like the doctor got the idea yeah. for the hologram from himself, who gave him the idea for the like. It was so. Where
3: did origin? Like where did it originate?
0: Yeah, yeah who created uh, the
2: doctor? Yeah, where did the thought come from? Who created the doctor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So doctor his who? his plan he had it because of the message that he gave himself but there was no origination of that plan it just was always there my only other note is Clara gets yelled at for putting a man's life at risk I, yeah she didn't
3: have a problem with it at all which is a bit concerning
4: but the doctor also gets yelled at for putting people's lives at risk Right, like she's that's... trying to get to the doctor and he's just trying to save her. And
3: that like they...
4: really seems to be their only focus.
3: When but if commander...
4: this was Rose, you'd be like, she'll do
3: anything <laughs> to, put the doc- to get the doctor no matter who dies. But for Clara, it's like, eh, had to do it.
4: I didn't say I liked it. I don't. Okay,
3: that's
2: fair. Yeah, we brought it up. <laughs> We're talking
4: about it. No, I I don't like that aspect because, I don't know. It seems like the doctor was like a, or Clara too, was like a save the greater good. So it's weird to see their focus just shifted on each other.
3: I honestly thought because of the way that the ghosts were with their eyes, the reason that he didn't die the first time was because his eyes were closed. And then I (laughs) thought, Yeah, I don't know. And then I thought the doctor was going to be safe because he had sunglasses on.
4: Speaking of the sunglasses, this is the first episode we've really seen the Sonic sunglasses. Okay, when he shoved the sunglasses into the (laughs) control panel. Right? No. I you upload it. I didn't even really catch it when he was, like, looking. Like, he was using the sunglasses as glasses to, like, look into the room. Like, I didn't catch that they were being Sonic sunglasses at the time.
0: Was, yeah, he was scanning. You could hear it. It'd go... Wah, 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 I know, wah, but wah, like wah. It,
4: it just made sense then. But then, like you said, to take him off and put him in the controller. It's like, are you kidding me? It's like, it's just going to be the Sonic screwdriver in a sunglass form.
0: Exactly. That's what it is. I don't like it. <laughs>
4: I hated that. But the sunglasses in general are pretty dope.
0: They're pretty dope. And he just rips out guitar riffs yes. out of nowhere.
4: That was cool getting was shift on so did they just like like peter capaldi arrived on set one day with a guitar and they're like yeah we're just gonna keep using that because this is what three in a row now
2: they probably asked him what he's passionate about and he's like i like music i played mm-hmm. in a band i don't know if they showed it in this one his amp did they show his amp yeah yes yeah okay so his amp was uh magpie electrics i think oh shit really I don't That's get really it. That's really cool. That's really cool. Mag- Magpie Electrics is the store where everyone went to go buy a TV in the episode. So one where Rose got her face oh, the taken.
3: Idiots Lantern. It's Lantern.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Wow.
3: I only know that because uh, I kind of like that episode, even though everyone hates it.
0: But yeah, if I could get a, a Magpie Electric guitar amp that would be so fun like do they just have those somewhere like as like what fans could buy
3: let's ask google make like someone
0: someone had to have turned a marshall amp into amp. a magpie electric amp on like etsy or something right
4: i have one last real note that is my least favorite scene this could be a new round if you wanted it to be my least favorite scene of this story is when the doctor and Clara get separated, and the doctor puts his hand up on the window, and says, "You trust me, Clara, don't you?" Hate it.
2: You hate that? Yes. I'm a chill. I hated it too. Oh no. Oh,
4: it was the worst. It was the it whole was- Titanic scene, and I—it was disgusting.
3: It took me back to God. What episode was that? An episode where him and the companion got separated in the pods. It must have been Amy, and she was like floating away and had her arm on the no, that was her hand on. That was
2: forty-two, and it was Martha.
3: Oh, it was Martha. Yeah, it was. I I hated that one. I hate this one less.
0: The scene of the dragging axe was super terrifying. Like the way that they shot that and would put it would put the audience in Cass's. uh perspective not perspective but i guess would just take out the audio so like you can only hear what she hears which is nothing but then you can see the ghost behind her with the axe and then it would like change and you can hear the dragging it was really cool that was scary the
1: sound effects sometimes though were very strange
0: like uh, when doctor was uh walking down the the steps and he was taking very small steps but it sounded like he was stomping
1: right yeah and when the <laughs> lady went into like her when she touched the floor and it changed to her like uh i don't know vibration vision there was a cat like scream was just a bunch of cats meowing right? when what she came out of that? it like what Oh, I didn't even notice that. I didn't
4: either. But Uh-oh. I do have to say the scene where they go back and forth between uh, what's what's her name? Why can't I Cass. remember. It? Cass. Yeah. yeah. So Cass, where she can't hear and Clara where she can. And that like snap back and forth was amazing. Super good. When Clara
3: was yelling for her, I was like, <laughs> you're an idiot. I was like, laughing. I'm an idiot. Like <laughs> yes,
0: okay. I, I was laughing, and then Jill's like, "What?" And then I pointed as she's saying, "I'm an idiot." It's like Cass is deaf. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Alex, Twitter these on. Tweet
0: tweet 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 tweet.
2: Beautiful.
4: Why not? Who's got the tweets?
2: Who's got the tweets? Because we've got the got tweets. Who's got the
4: favorite
3: line? <laughs> we got the tweets everyone
2: shut up (laughs) Chris at this emo trash DM'd us because he was uh, not going to be available this week so uh, here we go so this is Chris at this emo trash I don't know he probably didn't know that we were splitting it up or that we weren't splitting it up because uh, that episode where we said we weren't going to hadn't come out yet so he's Got his thoughts, which are many, split into each episode. So for the first one, Under the Lake, he says, This episode is severely underrated. A cold open that doesn't feature the Doctor is always intriguing. I'm living for the sign language representation. It's not even a part of the story. They just decided to cast a deaf actress and went with it. Even though it's the first of a two-parter, this episode still feels too short. It goes by so quickly, and I get so engrossed in the story. Who are the ghosts? What do they want? What do they keep saying? All questions that are answered, only at the right time. Clara really doesn't get to do much, but they've sacrificed her in favor of showcasing the amazing supporting cast. Each of them have something to do, and I feel you start getting to know them. Even Pritchard, you know he's a corporate dick, but he doesn't deserve to die that way. The way they trap the ghost in the Faraday cage, with Clara being a hologram is unexpected, and an entirely believable, believable plan. What I love most, though, is just the doctor's childish glee that finally he's found something he knows nothing about. And this episode is very much not just helping save people, but finding out what's going on. The cliffhanger comes from a mile away, but it's still very impactful and makes you want to watch the next one immediately.
3: Which we did.
2: That was, yeah, that <laughs> cliffhanger was huge. That Was, was really...
3: the doctor being dead? Was that in the first one? Or yeah. not yeah, the that, hologram? Yeah, that is ghost. That's the cliffhanger.
2: So you, yeah, you see his ghost come from the water.
3: Okay, I couldn't remember.
2: But yeah, we didn't really talk about the doctor being like super excited and saying like he wants to kiss the ghost to death because he's so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and for episode two, Chris says, "I really love this one. Probably my favorite cold open ever." Capaldi being a professor, teaching us exactly what the episode revolves around, and then going straight into an amazing opening credits played by Capaldi himself. Hey, get off my fun facts there, Chris. I would say <laughs> I would say my only criticism of this episode is the two storylines feel very separate. Although separating the Doctor and Clara does give them both more to actually do. O'Donnell is my favorite could have been companion. And I'm sad she died so soon since she represents exactly what the audience would be like as a companion. The time jumps and the team in 1980 going back on their own timeline is done amazingly with the doctor telling Bennett why he can't save O'Donnell or tell Prentice he's going to die. I really love how they play on Cass being deaf when her and Clara chase after the ghost when Lund doesn't come back. Clara calling after her before realizing what why that won't work, which you guys just brought up. And the tension when Ghost Moran tails her with the axe, the audience hearing it but knowing Cass can't. I'm almost a little disappointed with the Fisher King and how little time he gets. Not oh. not the same disappointed you guys were. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Me too. <laughs> uh, he doesn't feel like much of a villain, although he is incredibly scary. And if I were an eight-year-old, I probably would be scared of him. This might burn a fun fact, but Corey Taylor does. Yeah, it does. We'll just uh, move on. I haven't rewatched these two in a long time, but I'm not sure why, as I'm slowly remembering just how good series nine is. Hmm. It does seem like
1: every time that there is uh, somebody who's like, man, that would be a great companion. They just kill him <laughs> yeah. immediately.
3: Alex keeps talking about how excited he is for series nine. And um, I feel like that's how all of our Twitter people are as well so i'm looking forward for the stories to come as well
0: i yeah this is this is like capaldi ramping up and i
2: really enjoyed it yeah capaldi was holding back last season no more yeah is there
3: okay here's the important question is there a guitar in every story this season sorry yeah every story this season yeah
1: there's not Second there question.
2: Be, Why not?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I like where you're
0: at.
2: Sometimes you're in medieval uh, Europe and there's no amps. Ode underscore Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie says, For under the lake, love the setup. Who ghost stories are always fun and the ghosts are just uncanny enough to be creepy without being truly terrifying. The prompt cards are brilliant, and I love that 12 reads out the entire card without pausing. (laughs) Yes, that was great. He's supposed to pick between loved one, (laughs) friend, or pet, not read all of them.
3: Right, he reads the whole thing.
2: Uh, 12 trying to do sign language is incredible. It's nice to see the doctor being bad at something. (laughs) Though I do like that he technically uses ASL correctly to sign to Clara and Cass, though not sure how deliberate that is. So yeah, he's using he um, what he's ASL? using American sign language to someone oh. who probably speaks something else.
3: Right. This was ASL.
2: Uh, according to Ollie.
3: Yeah.
0: So that that was that was something that Ollie said. So that actress was actually just deaf. That was Chris that said <laughs> that not. Oh, oh, OK, because no. that does kind of change the story a little bit, you know, like there was a, yeah. a lot there.
3: I love way. that they added the part where she like was walking around and then felt the ground. I don't like the part where she imagined that she could see it because she's not blind.
2: That's what we mean that when is? we say that
3: weird.
2: that's what we mean yeah. when we say she was daredeviling it because that's what daredevil is. He's uh... he's a blind person who's just like uh, really good at hearing so he can create the world around him. But yeah, I never really
1: thought about that, Sam, about how she can see just fine. Why is she having this fake vibration? Vision? <laughs> just turn you know, around.
3: Like the vibrations kind of make sense because if you're deaf, um, you have the music really loud so you can feel the music and they use their other senses. So that makes sense. But the way they made it like black and green, how she could. It was like she was seeing it. That was weird.
2: Yeah. Yep. You done fucked up, Doctor Who. Oh, and Ollie goes on to say, Even though the outcome of the cliffhanger is slightly obvious to us, it still manages to be tense and shocking. And Twelve's concern when Clara starts to act like him is wonderful, and it's great to see his awareness of his effect. And Love Twelve wanting to kiss the ghost to death. Moving on to Before the Flood, Oh, says, Love the fourth wall break from the Beethoven's Fifth Story and especially love Capaldi's guitar version of the theme song. Cass Cass being a disabled character but not letting it define her is a wonderful thing to see. Love the scene of her feeling the vibrations of the ghost's axe. It's really clever use of her other senses. The symbols rewriting their minds is incredibly creepy and a little Lovecraftian. One of your favorite things, uh, (laughs) Cody. Uh, And that just adds to the whole atmosphere. And I love it when they really use time travel properly in these stories. Having two time periods intersect like they do is wonderfully done. And I'd be a massive fan of them doing it more often. The Fisher King is an incredibly intimidating, creepy villain. And what he does to his victims is horrifying. And the metalhead part of me loves that it's Corey Taylor voicing his screams. Apologies for stepping on a fun fact, Jake. Well, you're not the first one. (laughs) Holy crap. (laughs) Uh, really looking forward to your reactions and curious if anyone is actually keeping score of your Trivial Pursuit game. Well, we keep score by week, but not overall. <laughs> yeah. Thank God we, we can't do overall. I would just, I would just <laughs> give up. Do you guys remember we were driving to Warren for a drive to go to a dry, the drive in? Yeah. And yeah. I told you guys we were, I think, listening to a slipknot song, and I was like, Oh, the lead singer is in a Doctor Who episode. It was when we like just first started doing the podcast. And so, so it was like two summers ago. And you guys are like, Oh, that's so cool. This was it. So I was gonna I was gonna
0: say, <laughs> you've said Corey Taylor twice now, and I'm like, is that like the Corey Taylor or is that like some British Corey Taylor? I don't know.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll get to it in fun fact because there are actually three people that play that character. And so it's better to talk about it all at once. But Cindy, not that Cindy at Needs More Yarn, says for Under the Lake, love that they had a deaf character and portrayed her realistically. And she was the leader of the team. In parentheses, she says it's personal. No, she's not in love with her interpreter, dude. Ghosts? Creepy much? Good horror. <laughs> There's it's hard to read this. If you see the tweet, it all totally makes more sense than me reading it. It's well done, but it's Okay, Because you're reading of it (laughs) makes it not well done. There's dashes and emojis and capitalized You got to read the
1: emojis, Jake.
3: Just be like
4: Jill and read the emojis.
1: Yeah,
4: (laughs) I didn't read you my. I didn't read you my emojis this time, but I had a lot.
2: Well, for before the flood, Cindy says. One of the better time travel knots to figure out and the stakes are raised when the doctor's in it. Dang. Why well, you got to kill off the best characters plot is nice and tight. Good performances. Great doctor. Was Clara in this question mark and <laughs> uh rubbing chin emoji. <laughs> yes.
3: That's how you Hold do on. it. A little bit. That's wonderful.
2: That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Janelle Hobbs at J. Christine H says, love both parts. The character's, all had depth and drive. The note cards are hilarious. It's nice to see non-core unit members. The mystery was engaging, intense. The sets were fantastic. The design of the Fisher King was amazing, and he, but he could have been used better. The next part here, I'm going to paraphrase because she begins it with spoilers colon. <laughs> um, I think the second episode would have worked better if Clara went back in time as well. I'm reading all of her tweets to figure out how to say it. You know what? I'm just going to say uh, the rest of her tweet is spoilers and uh, we'll talk about it soon.
1: Fair enough. Boom. Keep your secrets.
2: <laughs> Pretty much. She wishes Clara had been used in a different way.
1: Okay. okay.
2: It. it well,
1: Where? I don't
2: know. I suppose I was
1: just fine with her being locked in a room with two other people. And then kicking one of them out, and then saving one.
2: Alex, give me that fun facts theme song. Who's
0: got the fun facts? Fun the fun facts. Who's got the fun facts? Sam got the fun facts. It's actually Jake, though. Uh, Sam, you <laughs> have fun facts. I was like, wait, what?
3: But, uh, nope.
2: Oh god, the pressure.
3: <laughs> I right. feel it. It.
2: Sophie Stone is the second deaf actor to appear in Doctor Who after Tim Barlow in Destiny of the Daleks in 1979, which is the next one Alex and I are doing for Brothers.
0: Oh, shit.
2: She also was in The Crown as Princess Alice. This was the first episode since The Unicorn and the Wasp to not feature the sonic screwdriver. A 10th Doctor and Donna story. This was the first episode since that
0: that we didn't have a sonic? Yeah, screwdriver. Well, I guess last last story, it, he had his glasses, but the screwdriver was there. Okay, yeah, he my, it says do
2: not feature the sonic screwdriver.
0: I would um, say the last one didn't feature it, but oh, it was very heavily
2: featured. But I, it was like a memory thing, it wasn't featured for its ability, but he was like it was being held by davros it was mentioned yeah, a bunch of times Yeah, i know all right we brought it up but this episode adds an electric guitar counter melody to the title theme played by capaldi himself which yeah. is sick i yeah
1: i kind of figured it was capaldi but i was like <laughs> it has to be capaldi playing that would be so cool and, and it, it was really
2: good and it was a one-off one and only
0: Oh, I was going to say, I can't remember if they
2: continued it. <laughs> Wait, but. Jake lies. Not, <laughs> yeah. not about the intro song. <laughs> uh, Colin McFarland plays Moran. He was a voice of a heavenly host in Voyage of the Damned. He played General Pierce in Torchwood Children of Earth. He has 151 acting credits on IMDb, including a ton of Thomas the Tank Engine, a ton of other voice work, and he was Loeb in The Dark Knight neil fingleton was the body of the fisher king he was in three episodes of game of thrones as different giants he was in x-men first class as a bodyguard he was in avengers age of ultron as a motion capture stunt performer he was seven feet seven and a half inches tall and he died in 2017 at the age of 36
3: what how did he die
2: um heart failure you're not meant to be that big
3: i was gonna say i feel like that's pretty normal for someone wait isn't there like a seven foot seven basketball player
2: yeah you don't know you don't see a lot of like 70 year old seven foot tall people true peter Serafinowitz was the speaking voice of the fisher king he was the tick on amazon's the tick he's done Voices in Bob's Burgers, Simpsons, Rick and Morty, South Park, Dark Souls 2, Archer, Star Wars Episode 1. He's acted in John Wick 2, Guardians of the Galaxy, Shaun of the Dead, and much, much more. He's hilarious. He's really good in the one episode of Ada Castas Countdown that he was in. Nice.
0: That's a big resume. Holy shit.
2: Oh yeah, he's huge. Um, the roars of the Fisher King and of the Doctor's hologram ghosts were done by Corey Taylor, lead singer slipknot. He was a big fan of Doctor Who and really? went, went to do a tour of the set and agreed to lend his voice. Oh, that's so sick. Like that
0: uh that monster being Corey Taylor roaring is just perfect like that is the most Corey Taylor monster that I could pick
2: Paul K was Prentice he was also Thoris of Mir in 10 episodes of Game of Thrones he was also an extra as a zombie in Shaun of the Dead no shit with Peter Serafinwitz oh imagine that Peter Serafinwitz was Shaun's brother in Shaun of the Dead who was like a zombie naked in the shower Alex, give me that favorite lines theme song.
0: Favorite lines, favorite lines. We all got our favorite, favorite lines. Favorite action. Clara trying to high five. (laughs) 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 That was great. Uh, The uh, between the doctor and the oil guy, when he was like talking to him, the doctor's like, I understand. You're an idiot.
1: <laughs> favorite action. When the oil guy gives uh, Capaldi his card and then he just looks at it and then flicks it away. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> uh, favorite line. You may have found it erased other memories. People you went to school with. Previous addresses. How to drink liquids.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> when the doctor steps out of the alien ship, And then goes to, I forget her name, the leader. I was like, you're the only one here who doesn't seem to be an idiot.
0: Oh, uh, you're the smartest when I step out of the room, I think is how he phrased it or something like that.
1: Oh, I thought he was like verbatim. Yep. No corrections necessary. (laughs) But he was like, every time I step out, everybody else talks. You don't. You're the smartest um o'connor when she says
5: one small step for man one giant oh, gross! <laughs>
4: the first one isn't necessarily a favorite line but i accidentally apparently stole a line from doctor who because i often say i'm feeling a bit murdery that was in here jumped out Ooh,
0: not nice. a favorite
4: just a fun fact i guess
3: can that i
0: have jill those?
4: had the fun facts
0: Ooh, I jill did. had it
4: i often say that for <laughs> real too much. All right. So two that I will nominate. Surely just being around me makes you clever by osmosis. And it's impossible. I hate it. It's evil. It's astonishing. I want to kiss it to death, which we've mentioned several times, but we did mention it's that. It's a good one. Like that. Mm-hmm.
5: I've got two other ones. Uh, one of them was said by the scientist, F. Bennett, I think, um, talking about uh, The Undertaker First proper alien, and he's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the other one was the doctor who was uh, standing in the spaceship, and he's talking about the situation that they're in. And at the end of it, he says, um, anything else I should know? Someone got a peanut allergy or something?
4: Yes. That's was good.
0: Uh, Jenna Coleman looked like she was starting to crack up when he delivered that line, and that was great. Every to be honest, the best is I have
1: everything in my room that you need to oppress me.
2: Sorry, do it. <laughs> give me give me a clean one, Cody. Oh, um, uh,
1: we we have a sign up that says you feel like home. If you just invade us, if you just invade us, you'll feel like home. you're home in five minutes. Verbatim. Don't correct me. It's right.
2: Give me a clean one of the first one you fucking said. Oh, what?
3: I like, That's not even close That's to That's not the you line said. you
2: said.
1: Oh, I thought you were asking for a different line. I was okay, talking I over know. you. Uh, uh, I have everything you need to oppress me. And... The, Favorite line.
2: The other one you're thinking of is... We have a sign up when you enter the city that says if you invaded us, you'd be home already.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. I'm holding
0: one just to see if anyone gets it. Do it. So is that all of them? I think so. Jake
2: hasn't said any well i can't decide i missed the beginning i only wrote down two and they're both pretty early and then i just kind of got into it and didn't write down anything so uh my first one is the doctor's listing off all the danger that they're in at the beginning and then says anything else i should know someone got a peanut allergy or something Hmm.
4: isn't that what terry said
2: i don't know i missed the beginning because i went to the bathroom (laughs) Oh, <laughs> sorry, Terry. I'll delete it. I, I did the same thing last week. I said one that uh, Sam said right away at the beginning and nobody said a fucking word, <laughs> and, <laughs> but I deleted it.
3: We just like to listen to you talk. It's fine.
2: All right. So my one is why can you only handle metal objects? Oh, I didn't know I noticed that oh I thought he said I bet you didn't know I noticed that nope he's just going on like a rant of all these weird things about the ghost like this is a clue this is a clue this is a clue he's like oh I didn't realize I noticed that
0: oh okay that's pretty good Uh, so the one that I had was the doctor realizing he has to die and was kind of going crazy a little bit and he's like well this regeneration is a bit of a clerical er error anyway (laughs) I thought that was pretty funny.
1: <laughs> vote. Oppress me.
3: <laughs> I Can't. I cannot vote for that one.
1: You can and you will.
3: I won't.
2: You I, shall. I'll vote for it if you add daddy beat. to the end.
3: <laughs> uh, I don't know. Other people vote. Then I might pick something else.
1: <laughs> Everybody vote for mine. She'll have no choice.
4: I'm doing. It's impossible. I hate it. I want to kiss it to death.
1: I'm going to go with peanut
5: allergy.
3: <laughs> allergy.
4: Sorry,
5: I had a like, stroke halfway through that word. <laughs>
3: um, oh, gonna... shit.
0: I forgot one. I, I just read. Can't do it. Uh, and I'm voting mm. for this one, too. Uh, wait, you go back in time? How do you do that? Very well.
3: Oh, that one was good. <laughs> I do like that one. Yeah, I'm voting for that one. Thanks, Alex.
2: Nice.
0: Ooh.
3: <laughs> Jake?
2: I too am voting for peanut allergy. Yeah. You
3: mean peanut allergy?
0: allergy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: he's,
2: he's tapping into his true Capaldi. <laughs> Is that everybody? <laughs> I was reading and missed what most of you said. Yes. That's everybody. Alex, see what that MVP
0: these are?
2: One of your best. Sam. That's how that word ends. What is your MVP? Uh,
3: the in charge lady.
2: The commander? Cass? Cass. Yes. Cass. Yeah, Cass. Sophie Stone. Alex. Hmm.
0: I'm going to give it to the director. There were some really good shots in this one,
2: and I liked it a lot. Daniel O'Hara, the only story he directs for Doctor Who. Giving it up to O'Hara. Terry.
5: I'm going to give it to the special effects for their work with the ghosts. Oh,
0: good one. Oh, that
1: was sick. Terry took my special effects. I'm ruined.
2: Uh, And again, (laughs) uh, we should mention who does those. So visual effects are done by Milk. Special effects are done by Real SFX. And special and visual effects editor is Dan Rawlings. Special creature effects and prosthetics done by Millennium FX. And the colorist, Gareth Spensley. Jill.
4: I'm going to go with the supporting cast.
2: All of can them? No, no. Nope. Nope. You just get you just get one.
4: No, I want to do them all.
2: You don't get to decide.
4: Wait, can you pick? Hold on, we've that? done this before. No, yeah. No, the then person who pick... to them. Yep, there you go. The, you got it. What's it called?
2: Casting director. <laughs> they don't. Yeah, they don't list. Oh, they do. The casting director is Andy Pryor, who <laughs> works for CDG.
4: Good job, Andy Pryor. It's all you, man. I do have to add really quick. So the. Obviously, the ghost is super special effects, but it's still the actors at some point, or in, at some level. So they're really playing two characters.
5: Yeah. Where are they?
4: GG.
2: Sam. Some
3: of them don't play their real characters very often. I already <laughs> voted.
2: Uh oh, who Cody? I
1: suppose since special effects has been taken, I'll go with. The other one that's been taken, and that is the director. That's I think the episodes shit. were shot really well. Sound designer dropped the ball. Capaldi's always good. The side or the supporting cast was fantastic, and Sam picked the best supporting cast, I think. So I'll go with the director.
2: <laughs> Capaldi gets a couple monologues in this one that are fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with Toby Withouse my desire to be the co-showrunner uh, after Chris Chibnall with, with his collaborator and friend Sarah Dollard, which we'll talk about later. But Toby Withouse wrote these stories, He or this story. He's also written School Reunion, Vampires of Venice, God Complex, Town Called Mercy. He's got one more coming up before his time with Doctor Who ends. He also wrote a tortured episode and he will even act in a story that we'll see later.
0: Oh man. All of those that we've seen so far have been banger.
2: Yeah. Apart from town called mercy. I'm very happy to watch any of those at any time.
5: Hmm. I'd like to give a small shout out to Lund's eyebrows. Oh, I'm and- sorry.
2: We're all out of time for shout outs.
1: no, <laughs>
5: Like his eyebrows were quite intense and I feel like they could have battled Capaldi's for stage time.
2: It is now time for the fastest growing quiz sensation, the Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit slash Doug Betson movie game game, where I am going to read questions from the Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit. Only questions that pertain to episodes we've seen. Each of the five contestants in front of me, on my screen because we're not really in front of each other at all will get a chance to be first, second, third, fourth, or fifth. If the first person gets it wrong, the second person gets four multiple choice. If they get it wrong, the second person gets to guess, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. I have pre- selected the order what? using a random number generator. Oh, okay. And that order is Alex, Sam, Jill, Cody, Terry. Sorry, Terry. Two weeks in a row, you are last.
3: And I'm after Alex, so... Not winning
0: this week. Goodbye, Sam. (laughs) If I could steal this first one, then it's over. Uh, If
2: you don't get this one right, you're off the podcast. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. Where did the Absorbalov conceal his limitation field creator that prevented him from exploding?
0: Uh... Like, are you looking for a body part? I suppose you can't say.
2: Where did the, the absorb <laughs> <laughs> conceal his limitation? <laughs> fuck off! Uh, limitation field creator <laughs> that prevented him from exploding. It was in his butt, right? Sam. Oh. <laughs> do you require multiple, multiple choice?
3: Multiple choice, yes.
2: Okay, well, it wasn't his butt. <laughs> was it i mean that was a good guess
0: though right no what <laughs> his old was about like
2: farting and being funny <laughs> he never farted that was the uh oh,
1: yeah. oh
2: maybe all right was it his stomach his back his suit pocket or his cane
3: Uh, his
4: stomach.
2: Jill. Dang it. Same question.
4: Can you repeat the options?
2: I can. So the off, he's got this thing, it's hidden. Is it <laughs> hidden in his stomach, in his back, in his suit pocket, or in his cane?
4: cane
0: that's correct yes I do remember a thing with a cane but that was a person in there no <laughs> what do you mean that was a person <laughs> say the question again
2: Ugh. so he has this cane and when Elton breaks it it reduces his power and the people that are sucked inside of him can pull and rip him apart
3: I do not remember. Say the, say the question mean.
2: again, though. <laughs> where listen
3: to the podcast?
2: Where did the Absorbelov conceal his limitation field creator that prevented him from exploding?
0: Creator, as in a person. That's what I was thinking about.
2: Oh, you're a dumb.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: I mean, I get it.
0: I yes, like he absorbed people, and you said creator as a person. So, like,
2: <laughs> Sam. I, if you get this wrong, you're joining Alex in the X-Files podcast that you guys will have to start because you're out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> what two words does Rose ask Donna to pass on to the 10th Doctor after they fix the parallel universe where he had died?
3: God, I feel like this is super important, too.
2: Fucking easy.
3: Uh, Bad Wolf. <laughs>
2: That's correct. Nailed it. Yes. Sam has one. Jill has one. Jill, you are first. What got placed on Donna Noble's back during her visit? It's it's written on this oh, card. same episode. It is, but it's written on this card, Vizist. There's an extra S in there. <laughs> what got placed on Donna Noble's back during her visit to a strange fortune teller on Shan Shen?
4: I can picture it. Thank God. But if,
1: when I get multiple choice, I'll be able to figure it out.
4: <laughs> it was a spider. No.
1: It's the deadly spider.
4: Spider.
1: I have an
2: idea. I'm going to give it to, give it to her. It right. Oh, oh
4: all right.
1: excuse me.
2: Well, what's a, it what's is never named in the I know episode. It's like,
4: it's like a robot spider, isn't it?
2: it's i i would have said reality bug that would have been my answer (laughs) sam what do you think it was since you're all like nope
3: well i don't think it's a spider i thought it was like closer to a roach
2: yeah
4: that's probably true
2: so on this card and again it is never said in the story so this is kind of a bullshit question like just bug is good enough for me this card has the answer as being time beetle
4: beetle Uh yeah see
2: I was close.
4: Beetle probably is more fair, so I can get a redo
2: <laughs> if you want. <laughs> you guys want to redo it or give it to Jill? Because I'm definitely not moving on because I already said the answer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she can, she can have it. Jill, yeah, Jill point. has two. Sam has one.
2: Cody, Jake. In the Unicorn and the Wasp, what does the Vespa form drop onto the housekeeper Miss Chandrakala to kill her? uh piano that's not correct oh
3: you answered that so quick and with so much confidence i was sure you were right even though i did not think you were right
2: that's how i get
1: through life
3: that yeah (laughs) that's actually true
2: in the unicorn and the wasp what does the vessel form drop out of the housekeeper miss chantricala to kill her is it a this is for you terry is it a bird feeder a gargoyle a safe or an automobile gargoyle yeah man she pushes off the top of the house all right cool gargoyle yeah (laughs) that's brutal
3: yeah yeah she's she's murdered
2: (laughs) like it's a big deal so jill has two sam has one terry has one terry Mm -hmm. you are first what two words did Riversong carve into a cliff face on planet one, the oldest planet in the universe? I
0: believe in you, Terry. Uh,
5: <laughs> Terry I don't.
0: Do
5: <laughs>
2: I'm going to go with nope. Spoilers. No, that's nope. not correct. Incorrect. <laughs> uh, Alex, do you need the multiple choice?
0: Uh, is it the same as all the other calling cards? Why
2: do you think I would answer that? (laughs) Sure, (laughs) give me the multiple choice, just to make sure. (laughs) Your multiple choice are Hello Sweetie, Spoilers Dear, Bad Wolf, Save Me. It is Hello Sweetie. Yes. That's correct.
4: This is the only one I've ever known confidently from
0: (laughs) ever in
4: this entire game.
2: Well, congratulations, Jill, because you are the winner. Nice. Hey!
4: I thought someone else had two. No,
2: just, just you.
4: you.
2: Cool. You had two. Alex had one. Sam had one. Terry had one. Cody, we'll see you next but week. But I knew
4: all the answers
3: next, except Next the week's one. my week. <laughs> <laughs> every, every week's your week. It's okay.
2: Alex, give me that Paper Crumplin theme song. This has been Married to Who's episode on Under the Lake, Before the Flood. If you would like to follow us on our socials and contribute to the podcast, you can do so at mary to Who Pod on Twitter, Married to Who on Instagram, or you can email us at at gmail.com. If you'd like to listen to this podcast in any other way, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or on our website, MarriedtoWho.com. I'm after myself, Jake. Producer Terry. Cody Sam, Jill, and Alex, thank you for listening and please join us next week for The Girl Who Died.
0: It's Definitely. the
1: Doctor.
2: What? Missy says in the first one, like, oh, I've known him ever since he was a little girl.
3: Oh. <laughs>